What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Southside Stories. My name is Jess. I'm your host. The purpose of the podcast is to put a smile on your face and joy in your heart, and I truly appreciate you for taking the time to listen. I give all glory to God for allowing this podcast to happen. In 1981, when I got out the Army, I headed straight to Los Angeles, California, an undiagnosed addict alcoholic. Then together with my parents and my sister, we bought a home in Pomona. And it took me a while to get used to civilian life again and to find a job. It was maybe... 1982, early 83, that I met Reggie. I remember it was at the gas house in West Covina. We were coincidentally positioned along a wall, sipping our drinks, quietly and personally checking out the women. Two young single men being young single men in a club full of attractive women. We nodded a greeting in passing, sup, and then went out to execute our, our plans. I saw him again, this time on the basketball court. Wanna go? Yeah, let's do it. I think we mutually respected that we wanted to win. He could shoot and he had hops. Our styles were complimentary as I was a rebounder and a willing passer. He, he loved that partnership, having no problem asking for the ball. He even had expectations that the pass come on time, clapping his hand, alerting me that he was open. Soon, we were hanging out a lot more, primarily because we liked doing the same thing. I met his brother, Tony, one evening when I stopped by their apartment for a few drinks. Reg was cool and calm, while Tony was more fiery with an inviting laugh and an engaging personality. We hooped all day and clubbed all night, ensuring that we kept our jerry curls tight. (laughs) One night at the club, a woman asked me, Are you Cuban? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. (laughs) We had a lot of fun at Papa Bill's. The drugs and alcohol was raging in 1985. The fun I so enjoyed wasn't so much fun anymore. I noticed that I hadn't seen Reg or Tony in some time. I at I asked our other road dog, Ghostbuster, rest in peace, rest in peace, bro. If he had seen them speaking through his smoke, through his smoke, he said he hadn't seen Tony in, in some time, but he knew where Reggie was. He dropped him off at Pomona Valley Hospital right before Christmas. Wow, had it been that long? As he released his smoke, he said, let's go visit. (laughs) Oh, the meeting room where Reggie sat was very comfortable and relaxing. 
And that's what Ghostbuster and I did. We got comfortable. I thought it was some kind of open forum group counseling meeting. I was unaware of the one share per person protocol. After the meeting closed, Reg walked toward us. I showed a big smile, but he didn't. And before I could say anything, he pulled us into a close huddle and started to strongly go at us for visiting him under the influence. Embarrassed, we apologized and headed home. I realized that Reggie was very serious about his meeting. My drug, my drug and alcohol use increased to where I no longer sought work. That was until my father found me a job. But each day I became more difficult to live with. I became more defiant, rebellious, and challenging. Hardly any was, anything was sacred anymore. My father called me an educated dummy. I've heard it said, I'm sure you have, God is all you need when God is all you got. And boy, wasn't that the truth. The hours I spent in my own private insanity felt endless. We, that's my mind and I, calculated my demise. I had no sense of time. I literally spent my time working up a sweat, spinning, totally naked in my bed. The residual effect of of these whirlwind thoughts confined me to my room. Finally, in pure desperation, I cried out, God, I can't keep doing this. I need your help. I cannot keep doing this. I was feeling my body and my mind were in two different places. I knew I was crazy. I said, Lord, help me, please. And it, and it was as if he was waiting for me to ask. The thought of Reggie seemed to have come immediately. During all those days of insanity, I never thought about Reggie. In that moment of clarity, I called him, Reg, man, I'm going crazy. I need need your help, man. For what I thought was just a month since last seeing him at his meeting, It turned out it was more like nine months. I was done. I was totally exhausted and mentally bankrupt. I had nothing left. I had bottomed out. Calmly Ridge said, I'll be by to get you in the morning. 5.30. Be ready. August 13, 1985. He came as promised to take me to my first AA meeting. 
As I walked down the hallway to that meeting room, I noticed a poster on the wall that said, Becoming is greater than being. That quote has long since resonated with me and has remained a constant reminder that once fruit ripens, it then begins the process of dying. I didn't want to die. I wanted to grow. I had to keep becoming. I would see Tony again in those meetings. He helped Reggie find his way to Alcoholics Anonymous. Soon, we met Brenda, a beautiful woman who, like us, was trying to get her life together. We helped each other stay sober. Tony introduced us to Casey, another woman, and to Happy Howard, to just to name a few people who became instrumental in the early growth of Cocaine Anonymous in the San Gabriel area. Tony helped Reggie as Reggie helped me and Brenda. But Tony helped a lot of other people get sober, as would Reggie and Brenda. A year later, their oldest brother, Arthur, arrived. From what I'm told, they weren't sure if Artie was going to be on the plane. Artie arrived as... Artie missed the previous li- the previous flight. But when he walked off to, out of the arrival gate, all was well. Artie shares the July 11th sober birth date with Reggie. Then came the youngest brother, Troy, the man with the plan. Great personality. He made me laugh. Lastly, Jeff. He's the quiet brother with the gentle laugh. Although I'm told his hoop game spoke volumes on the courts of New York City. But it was the bond and the love that they had for each other that empowered all five Clark brothers to get sober. And my friendship with these guys became more than just brothers. We We became family. Sadly, we lost Troy several years back. Rest in peace, Troy. A few years ago, their father, Arthur Sr., went home to glory. Rest in peace, Mr. Clark. He was a tall, very big, intimidating man with a big laugh and a great sense of humor. Playing cards with him one one afternoon, I saw from whom his sons got their laughter and their sense of humor. He kept us rolling. With all Mrs. Clark's boys now in California, she moved from the Wagner Projects to her family in California. I love Mrs. Clark. I'm just saying that. I love Mrs. Clark. Mama Clark, wonderful woman. The day I called Tony to ask permission to tell this story, we laughed about something. And that's what we always did and always do because the sarcasm never stops. But our laughter was richer because it was well over 35 years since we revisited those days. 
days when we were so full of ourselves, ignorant of the importance of others' feelings. Tony, Reggie, and I shared a three-bedroom apartment. Great idea, but for some reason, Tony and I didn't get along. We argued a lot, barely tolerating each other. Eventually, we decided to go our separate ways. Yet we got along with Reggie, and he never took a side. As Tony and I continued to laughingly reminisce, he mentioned my pet, the spider. And for some strange reason, something clicked in my mind. It was an aha moment. That's it. The spider. You see, I worked in animal control. And one day I allowed a guy to talk me into adopting and bringing home this tarantula spider in its terrarium filled with crickets. It was about two and a half, three inches tall, gangly, very haunting, yet graceful and hairy. It possessed two huge hook-like claws at its mouth, and I was fascinated watching him catch crickets. I mean, this boy was good. That's what became clear to me. It was the spider that angered Tony so much. Yet, even though I was scared of it, I stood my ground to have it. All the more reason for the conflict. Stephen Covey is quoted as saying, seek first to understand, then to be understood. I've seen Reggie on several occasions demonstrated his classy coup. I asked him one day, how was he able to remain so cool when most didn't? He said, I try to never let people, or anyone for that matter, take away my peace. Many who know Reggie will tell you that he's a leader and a service provider. That's who he is. That's what he does. His advocation, pardon, his vocation is working for the homeless population. Reggie is the program manager of Volunteers of America, Pomona. He's in charge of a 200-bed shelter. Teddy Green, who is one of Reggie's closest friends, was also Reggie's protege. Teddy is now a manager of a homeless shelter. Quality leadership. Each one, teach one. Reggie's wealth of knowledge and compassion for homeless people makes him a great leader. He can effectively formulate a plan on the spot upon hearing the problem. I've often heard him say, okay, listen, this is what we're going to do. Sometimes his plan resolves the problem, and when it doesn't, it's tabled for future discussion. 
he often just keeps things moving. I call that hope. He's gracious when he speaks of his team because they together work with the problem as society and the media has deemed homeless people. People whose lives were dramatically changed and sometimes in an instant. No one ever, he said to me, just one day, joyfully makes the decision of choosing to be homeless. There are people out there living in tents underneath overpasses and freeways, living in their own cars, on the streets, almost anywhere and everywhere, trying to find protection. He said, there's so much to be done because every homeless person is important. Reggie's avocation, his passion is helping people, especially in Cocaine Anonymous. He's humbly sober, and he'll tell you, you may not be impressed with my 37 years of sobriety, but I am. (laughs) Reggie's widespread popularity is rightfully due, and he's learned to live in the spotlight of Cocaine Anonymous and and among the homeless population of Pomona for quite some time. Mother Teresa's popularity was proclaimed based on on her important hands-on and personal work she did with people in the streets of Calcutta, those being the homeless, the discarded, and the mentally ill. Reggie's support group helps to keep him grounded. That's his family, his close friends, and his past and current sponsor, Father Bob. Rest in peace. And Hal T., who celebrates 50 years of sobriety in September of this year. Hal is forever reminding us that love and tolerance is the key. Reggie's daily interaction with people is astounding. He's approached in person, called on the the phone, his earpiece is forever and constantly on. And he's also contacted through various social media platforms. In the morning, heading, heading to work, he's on his phone before he walks out the door. He's asked to speak at different CA functions, addressing the audience as family, and always beginning his pitch, humbly announcing that he did it again. What does that mean? I think Reggie is quietly surprised that God showed up again, and he's reminding us that God's love is consistent. He just keeps showing up again and again. Reg married the love of his life, Lisa, 12 years ago. 
They have a family of four children and three grandchildren, all of whom bring them joy. They, along with their in-laws, his brothers and her sisters, their parents and their friends, make up their family. We've heard it takes a village to raise a child. They are a village. You ever hear good music at the beach or at the park? Guys, women playing congas. One day, he was playing some and he showed me how to hold a beat. Then he jumped in and suddenly we were jamming. We were jamming. We were making thriving rhythms that made me want to move. Move your body. (laughs) He can play. He can play. Speaking of playing, he's a domino player. And if you asked him, he would be be one you would say he was a better than average domino player. Of course, if you asked his crew, Artie, Tony, Teddy, Henry, Jimmy, Sean, Tony D, Clint, they would probably say, he's all right. He ain't bad. But if you ask who was the best player or who made the best team, well, you just started something. That's a reason for a party. When a party is planned, good times are are had. Good food. Hey, a good boxing match with domino players, that's a fun night. And even better, he'd say, if he and Teddy won. Reg reminds me of a story. It's about a boy who upon upon getting to the beach, he sees his shores covered with starfish, which had been washed ashore by the ocean. As the boy walked, looking ahead, he saw a woman walking and tossing these starfish back into the sea. When he finally reached her, he asked, why are you throwing them back? There must be thousands of starfish out here. What does it matter? She answered him as she tossed another back into the sea, saying, It mattered to this one. Tossing another, it mattered to this one. It mattered to this one. Reggie goes about his day doing work that matters. To this one, to this one, to this one. Folks, it mattered to me. Thanks, Reg, and the entire Clark family. Well, that's all I got, folks. I hope you enjoyed this story because I enjoyed sharing it with you. So until the next time, I wish you peace and love. Please be safe. Later.